0: Well, over the next few weeks, we've got a little bit of a different start to the year, um, preaching-wise, which is uh, I'm excited to tell you about. We've got a little bit of variety coming up in uh, January and February, coming into this new year. Um, over the next five weeks, we are going to be finishing off our series in Judges and also starting a new series in the book of Hebrews. Uh, that's what we've got to look forward to over this next time um, uh, as, as our main preaching series going through the book of Hebrews um, which will be starting in a few weeks. But we also have got um, just a three weeks where um, you're going to be hearing from me uh, about uh, the subject of the kingdom of God. So I'm doing a little mini-series over the next sort of five weeks or so on the kingdom of God Okay, and uh, what it means to live in the kingdom of God, what it means to that for us as a community, as a body of people, to, to live in the kingdom of God. Now, you'll remember, many of you will, um, those of you that were there, that we... Spent our whole uh, weekend away last year, um, last June when we went away together and uh, had a wonderful weekend away. And the subject of that weekend away was lit, was the kingdom of God. It was all about the kingdom of God. We spent the whole time just kind of dwelling on and, and hearing, teaching on um, what is the kingdom of God, what it means for us as the church to be the community of God's kingdom, and also what it means for us to live as citizens of that kingdom in the world. Uh, I don't know about you, but June's quite a long time ago for me now. We've had Christmas. We've had all kinds of things since then. Um, what better time than any to, uh, to refresh ourselves on what those talks were all about? Uh, uh, they're all on the website. Um, I really recommend um, grabbing a bit of time, spending a bit of time just, just, just refreshing your memory as to those talks Uh, which are all available on the website. If you weren't able to be at our weekend away, um, or if you weren't around in the church back then in June, then also great opportunity to go and and hear those talks. Uh, And they kind of provide a really great background and backdrop to what I'm going to be saying over the next few weeks. So why pick up on this now? Why is the kingdom of God an important subject for us to kick off 2018 with as a site? Well, more than anything, my desire... As the site leader for, 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 for here for West Site is that this year two thousand and eighteen would be characterized as a year that we as a church that we as a site reach out to those outside the church okay I want us to I want to see us to, to reach out to more to those outside the church you 've heard that famous quote, "The church exists for the benefit of its non members i think that 's true i think that 's absolutely right we 're here we 're here for God." obviously primarily, and we're here for each other, but we are here for those who are outside, for the world around us. We are here for, for Bearwood. We are here for the local areas that we live in. Uh, we are here for this city, and we want to see people come to know Jesus. Uh, we, and so I want to, us to learn this year to think more missionally. I know many of us already do. Uh, we're already kind of on a, on a good track with this stuff, but I would love us to, to, to increasingly have a more missional outlook, have a more outward-looking focus, to pray, to seek God for growth, not just for the sake of a larger meeting, but so that we can bring glory to God. That's what we're here for. God's kingdom, as you you know from Jesus' parables, it starts small, but it grows. It's, It's designed to grow. It's designed to spread. It's designed to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so that's what I want us to do. If we're a healthy church, we should be growing. Remember why we're here? Why are we here? Why are we doing this? To see Jesus, the most talked about person in Birmingham, and to see him the most worshipped, the most glorified person, and the most followed person in Birmingham. So that's what we're about. That's why I want to start off uh, thinking about this stuff, thinking about the kingdom, thinking about what it means to grow, what it means to be out, outward looking. And I'll, I'll just tell you from the start, I haven't got a sophisticated mission strategy okay, to, to achieve this goal. Uh, I'm not going to kind of release this wonderful six-point plan of how we can all uh, be more missional. Um, but I think there's something about us living out what it means to be the community of the kingdom of God that will actually result in the growth that we, that we seek. As we, as we live in and as we live under and as we live out who we are as God's people, as his kingdom, then I believe that will result in the growth that we seek. What is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is um, something that we have entered. It talks about in the Bible, we have entered the kingdom. It's something that's, that we've come into. Uh, it's not a physical kingdom with physical boundaries, but you can experience its reality nevertheless. And it's something that we've entered by putting our faith in Jesus the King and by surrendering our lives to Him. So most of us all here, all Christians or following God, or seeking to live our lives for Jesus, that means we are we have entered the kingdom of God. And this kingdom is something that's different from the kingdom of the world around us. This kingdom is characterised by peace, by joy, by righteousness. So those things aren't, aren't perfectly expressed in our lives. We also know difficulty and struggle and trial sometimes, but we a taste of this kingdom in our lives. We know the peace of God. We know the joy and the righteousness of God in our lives. And as a body, as a church, we are together the community of that kingdom. Okay, so our life together is a demonstration Every time we, 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 we interact with one another, every time we share um, our lives with one another, we show each other love, care, support, forgiveness, every time we do that stuff, we are demonstrating God's kingdom. Something different to what you see in the world. Again and again and again. That is what we, we do. And as we do that, we, we foreshadow this, this beautiful kingdom that is to come. Okay? We, we, have, we have it in part now, we know when Jesus returns, his kingdom will come in fullness. And we will see all death, all sin, all sickness, evil and despair destroyed forever. I mean, that's, that's wonderful, isn't it? That's, that's the wonderful context to, to how we live the kingdom. So we demonstrate it in part imperfectly. In, the co- in our context here of, of a desperately broken world here in, in the west, west part of Birmingham. So over the next few weeks, I want to draw attention to three areas that are, in which I think we can demonstrate as people what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And we're going to be looking at three areas, and the areas are the hospitality of the king, which is today's talk, the service of the king, in a few weeks, and then finally, the power of the king. Okay. So kingdom of God, hospitality, kingdom of God, service, kingdom of God, power. Why these three? Why are we looking at these three? Well, one reason is because I think these are areas that we have already strengths in, I would say, that can be further built upon. I think there are strengths as, in us as a body, as a church in these areas that we can further build upon as we continue to live it out. Also, I just feel these are things that God wants to lay on us prophetically. I, I feel this is, this is from him. I feel he, he wants to, us to hear this stuff and he wants us to be stirred to live in this way. These are distinctives that I think we have, that he wants to give us, that we can grow in. And also, third reason, obviously this is all for Jesus' glory. This is all for the extension of his reign here on earth. And I believe as we get to grips with this stuff, we will see his kingdom grow. So the ultimate thing is about Jesus' glory, about his kingdom growing, and about us seeing people saved and come into knowledge and relationship with the king here Alright, so, as I said, I haven't got a sophisticated mission strategy, but this is about, this is kind of culture really. This is about us being who God has made us to be and living it out. Some, some traits that I think we can grow in uh, this year, and, and which I believe will result in kingdom growth. So, today we're looking at hospitality. Hospitality, the hospitality of the king. You'll know uh, the, the character Job from the Old Testament, and you know he was a righteous man um, that, that God allowed to be afflicted with all kinds of different troubles and difficulties and sicknesses and tragedies. And God was testing him so that he would uh, he would show that he was a righteous man and that he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't curse God, he wouldn't turn away from God, even though he went through such difficulties. And when Job was protesting, as he does throughout much of the book, uh, he was protesting against his sickness. One of the virtues that he said he never neglected was hospitality. So in Job 31, 32, he says, I have never turned away a stranger, but have opened my doors to everyone. And that's not surprising because God himself said in Job, the very beginning of the book of Job, that he was an upright man who feared God and turned away from evil. And as far back as you want to go in the history of God's people, one of the God-appointed duties of the righteous was hospitality. And by hospitality, what I mean is simply this, the willingness to welcome people into your home who don't ordinarily belong there. So that's that's my definition of what hospitality is. My hands are cold. I'm sure the rest rest of you are feeling the cold as well. Please bear with me. So the willingness to welcome people into your home who don't ordinarily belong there. Okay. In the New Testament, this duty was re-emphasized for the Christian community. So Romans 12 verse 13 says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. That literally, the translation of that is pursue hospitality. Okay, so this implies a continuous action. So this just isn't about maybe having the family round at Christmas, maybe once or twice a year. This is about cultivating a lifestyle of hospitality, of, of opening your home, of welcoming people into your home who don't ordinarily belong there and being willing to do so. This is about an attitude. As so often with the Bible's teaching, it's about the attitude. It's about the heart. And the attitude, it says, that we are to have is eagerness. When it comes to practicing hospitality, we are to be eager beavers, not begrudging badgers or catch you that, isn't it? <laughs> Many of you know if you, pra- if you play a musical instrument, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to kind of rescue this, aren't I now? <laughs> Practice makes perfect, okay? If you, pr- if you play a, a musical instrument, you'll know this, that you don't just pick up a violin and play a virtuoso piece off the cuff. You have to practice, you have to work hard You have to learn the skill. I remember my, my trumpet teacher when I was growing up writing in my little book every week, practice, 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 practice your instrument, keep playing it, keep playing it. Practice does indeed make perfect. If you, if you want to get good at something, you need to do it again and again. So the implication here is that Christians should get good at this thing called hospitality. All right. Christians should be good at cheerfully welcoming people into their homes who don't ordinarily belong there. Okay, so think about who ordinarily belongs in your home. Um, Hopefully it will be you and the people that normally live there, people that are on the electoral roll, (laughs) as well as uh, uh, minors who aren't yet on the electoral roll but are nevertheless very important. Um, But who else ordinarily belongs in your home? Maybe family members who come and visit perhaps over Christmas. You have a spare room f- for them or, you know, you make space for them because they're family. Who else ordinarily belongs in your home? Is, it may- maybe, is that it or is there, is there more people as well? What about neighbours? What, what about each other? What about members of the church? What about people in the church who are, maybe you've got a lot in common with, your friends? What about those who are from a different demographic group? Do they ordinarily belong in, in your home? Okay, and um, so hospitality starts with each other. Okay, and uh, that passage in Romans does emphasize this when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Be he is a practice hospitality. It's about starting with, with one another. Next uh, verse that speaks on this is 1 Peter 4, verse 8 to 9. Above all, hold unfailing your love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Practice hospitality ungrudgingly to one another. So there's that key word. Ungrudgingly <laughs> not to be a begrudging badger. Um, and obviously, so, that, so that, this is speaking of you know having people around, but then not secretly resenting you know, the mess, the washing up, the hassle, the invasion of your space. It means being the kind of people who do it and who like to do it. That's quite an interesting command, isn't it? So in other words, and this is, this is a key thing, this is really important, the command to be hospitable is not just a command to do something, okay? It's not just a command that can be legalistically fulfilled with a quota of guests. It's actually a command to be a certain type of person. So we're commanded to be a certain kind of person, and that's a person who welcomes people ungrudgingly into their home. Now, But right about now, there's probably a few questions and things floating around which I just want to address, or maybe some objections even. So one might be, I'm not gifted in this area. You might think, I know there are some people who have the gift of hospitality. They're so good at welcoming people into their home. This isn't my area. That's their gift. Perhaps I have other gifts. Perhaps another objection you might have is, I'm not equipped I'm not equipped. Maybe I, I live in a house share. I, I don't own any Denby, China. You know, I, <laughs> my house is too small to have people around. I, I can't cook. I can't afford it. Okay? These are perhaps some other objections you might have. Or maybe even, I'm not that type of person. It's just not me. I'm a private person. I like my own space. I can't bear any mess or untidiness in my house. Okay, these are some objections that I'm just I'm just naming them because I know they're out there. Okay, and uh, these are some some things. Well, let me just um, address a couple of these things. On the first one, I'm not gifted in this area. I've got something that might land slightly controversially with you. The gift of hospitality is not a thing. There's no such thing in the Bible as the gift of hospitality. Da da da. Okay, I'm very happy to enter conversation with anyone about this who might want to dispute it. Um, There is, in this verse that we've looked at, 1 Peter 4, verse 8 and 9, if you read on from there, Peter then goes on to talk about using spiritual gifts as God has given them. But most of the commentators would agree that it's not related to what he's just said about hospitality. He's finishing his sentence and moving on to something else. Okay, it's not a spiritual gift. And I'd say on this, think about this, when you've received hospitality from someone that you would think of as being really gifted, let me ask you this, when they had you round, do you think it was the first time they'd ever done it? Do you think you were the first people that they had round? I'd like to maybe suggest that you probably weren't, that the reason why they were so good is because they'd done it before and they practiced it. I haven't told Anna that I'm going to share this story, but um, I'm sure you'll be fine with it. When we first, <laughs> no, it's all right, it's not controversial, but um, a number of, number of years ago, uh, Anna and I were, were newlyweds, and uh, we were invited around for Sunday lunch by a lovely couple uh, called John and Molly Oldfield, that many of you will know and remember fondly. They used to be in the church, and um, we just found the experience of receiving their hospitality quite overwhelming, didn't we? We were very overwhelmed, uh, almost to the point of tears, because they just all they did was feed us Sunday lunch and sit us down and chat to us. But there was something about the hospitality they showed us that was so incredibly warm, so incredibly genuine, so incredibly uh, full of love and care that just was, was quite overwhelming, really. And not surprising that those guys had spent a number of years living in the Middle East, uh, an area where they would have had many, many opportunities to practice hospitality. Uh, they'd been kind of church leaders, an amazing kind of life of serving God, really. And so... Uh, They had practiced hospitality. They seemed gifted at it, but actually all it was was they were very practiced at it and they'd nailed this stuff about attitude. Okay. If you're worried about not being equipped or if you're thinking I'm no good at this, I can't do it, here's some other things that hospitality is not. Okay. It's not a competition. This is what the world's view of hospitality is. Right, that one at the bottom, that's come dine with me. Okay, which is a competition where you have to put on the best meal and you get voted on it. But on the right-hand side, that's MasterChef. Again, a competition about how amazing your cooking skills are. And obviously, who cooks in a dress like that? <laughs> Certainly not me. Just <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, Ni- Nigella, Nigella Lawson is obviously a, a great uh, chef and cook. Um, but let's be realistic. It, you know, if that is our standard of what it has to be like, then none of us are going to meet it, are we? It's not, a, hot, it's not a, 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 a competition. It's about being willing to welcome. That's the key thing, being willing to welcome, being willing to welcome. Now later, we will come back to different ways of practicing hospitality because I may not have fully uh, addressed all of your concerns on this. I know there'll still be some questions. I know there'll still be some who are saying or thinking, can I really do this? We'll come back to it later on. It's not just about cooking meals for people. There's more to it than that, basically. But hospitality is about being a certain type of person, as we've said. It's about being willing, and it's about being kind of person that doesn't grumble to do it. And here's where we get to the heart of the matter, okay? Why? Why is this so important for Christians? And why is it something that is for all Christians? Because that's what I'm arguing. It's, it's for all of us. It's not just for some, it's not just for the gifted few. Why? Why should we be so hospitable? You could say, if you take God out of the equation, well, it's a good practice, it's a good way to make friends, good way to practice your cookery skills, or just be a nice, balanced, moral person. The key question is, what has it got to do with God? What gives Christian hospitality its eternal values and sets it off from mere popular morality? And the answer to this question will be the answer to the question why. Why do it and what is our motivation? Well, the God-centered motivation for hospitality begins in the Old Testament. And perhaps the clearest text on this is Leviticus 19, verses 33 to 34. So right the way back in Leviticus, when Moses is giving the commands to God's people, this is what it says. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who sojourns with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The words, I am the Lord your God, are packed with meaning because they're the first words of the Ten Commandments. in Exodus 20 verse 2 and any good Israelite would have been able to finish that sentence I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage that phrase I am the Lord your God it occurs a dozen times in this chapter of Leviticus and what it means is what it is shorthand for is I am Yahweh I am God who came to you when you oppressed aliens in Egypt and saved you. For the people of God in the Old Testament, the duty of hospitality came right from the centre of who God was. I am the Lord your God who made a home for you, who brought you up out of Egypt, who brought you out of slavery with all my might and with all my soul. Therefore, love the stranger as yourself." It says, doesn't it, be holy because I am holy. Okay, mirror my values, and these are my values. So he's saying, I rescued you, I rescued you, and I brought you into a home, so therefore be like me. That's why that command is there in Leviticus. Welcome the stranger. What are God's values? Well, he chose Israel because of his own love. It says again and again, there's nothing special about them. There's nothing to set them apart from the other nations, but God chose them. As a gracious, loving act, he chose them. And why did he choose Israel? Because his overarching plan was through Israel to show his grace to every single nation, to every single people group, to every single person on earth. The heart of God is to bring humanity home. That is the heart of our God. And that is what the gospel is all about. Reaching out to those who are far off and bringing them home. Isn't that what he's done to us in Jesus says in John chapter 1, the law came through Moses. Stick with me, this is really key stuff. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What is the grace of God? The grace of God is the hospitality of God to welcome sinners home. Not because of their goodness, but because of his glory. Uh, because of his glory. Think about God, God is God, is, is God. He can do anything he likes and he chooses to do this. This is what he has chosen to done. He's chosen to bring us home. He's chosen to show hospitality to sinners. And obviously the ultimate act of hospitality was Jesus Christ dying for sinners so that everyone who believes can become a member of the household of God. And that's what's happened to each of us, isn't it? We've been taken from a place of being outside of God's favour and grace and we've been brought in. We've been given a home in God. Ephesians 2, a beautiful passage on this. It talks about we were foreigners, we were strangers. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ and now we're members of God's household. We're members of God's household. How amazing is that? We've been invited to a heavenly banquet. We've been led into a place where it says he prepares a table for us. Our cup overflows. There's a place for us. That's what Jesus said to his disciples, didn't it? Don't be anxious, don't be afraid. In my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. It's the wonderful hospitality of God. It's like, you know when you go to a wedding This is what it's like, the the banquet in heaven. is almost how I imagine it. It's like we're ushered into this amazing banqueting hall and there's tables laid out. And we think, surely, is this for us? And then we're shown, we're led by an usher to the table plan, which has the whole table plan on it. And there, there's your name right there on the table plan. Then we're brought through, we're we're led to the table that we are, uh, that's got our name on it. And there we find a place has been set for us, our name is there, there's a place for us, at the table of God, at the banquet of God. So I hope, I hope this is helping you to see that this is why hospitality is important, because it flows from who God is, it flows right out of his heart, it flows right out of what he's done for us in the gospel. It's, a, it's, it's not a personality issue, it's not a gifting issue, it's a gospel issue. For all of us, when we do it, whenever we reach out, whenever we show hospitality to others, we reflect God. We reflect who he is. We, we be like Jesus. And, and something happens when we practice hospitality as well. That is that we invite people into an experience of God's grace. There's something real in that. It can sound a little bit up there, a little bit ethereal, but it's true. When we, when we, when we give hospitality to others ungrudgingly and willingly when we when we welcome people who don't ordinarily belong we don't ordinarily belong in the favor of God do we but his grace has been poured out on us so that's why when we when we do that when we welcome people into our home we, we extend that grace there's something incredibly life-giving about it there's something incredibly uh Jesus-like about it just think about the life of Jesus Um, it's it's said that in the Gospels, when you see Jesus, he's either coming from a meal, at a meal, or going to a meal. And the people said of him, didn't they, the legalists, they said, look, he's a glutton, he's a drunkard. And he said, yeah, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. (laughs) Jesus understood the value of this stuff, of actually sharing a meal with people, uh, having that kind of experience together, being practicing hospitality with each other and he, and he welcomed that. He understood that the, the home, you know, the kitchen, the dining room, that's the place where life happens. That's the place where stuff really happens in life. So that's the, that's the sphere that he was in and that's the sphere that he calls us to act in as well. Just a quick um, comment on this. Um, I think when you think about the communion as well, okay, breaking bread, drinking wine together, so it's easy to think in terms of the significance of that being the actual, the symbols, the bread and the wine. The bread, the body of Jesus, the wine, the blood of Jesus. Yes, absolutely, that, that's the heart of it. That's the, that's the sacrament, it's those things. He calls us to remember him by breaking bread and drinking wine. But think about the context as well. He did it at, where was it he instituted it? The last, as was a meal. He was with his disciples around a table and that's why for us as a church, we, we often, really, we, we mainly, the context that we have communion in is life groups and people's homes. Because we believe that the context is important. The context of, of a meal, the context of sitting down together, of hospitality. There's something about it. We, we, we're, we're at God's table and we're partaking in the body and blood of Jesus. And there's something significant about that. John Piper says this: "When we practice hospitality, we experience the refreshing joy of becoming conduits of God's hospitality rather than being self-decaying cul-de-sacs." And this is where it comes on to the next question, which is, OK, right? this is good. I can see how it's related to God. But what's it got to do with the kingdom of God? What's it got to do with us reaching out to people around us? Well, I'd say, look at that Piper quote. There's something about this which is, which is a big part of demonstrating the rule of the king and how he has changed us. He's changed our lives. So rather than being self-decaying cul-de-sacs, he's made, us, he's made our homes open with his grace, open to others, open to each other. And I'd say this is central to being the church. It's central to being the outlooking community of grace that God has made us to be. And we have much to benefit from this too, as well, okay? We have much to benefit from uh, giving and receiving hospitality with one another. Tim Chester says this, Someone we share our food with is likely to be our friend or well on the way to becoming one. It's true, isn't it? Something nice, something kind of intimate, something friendly about sharing meals together, uh, as we know. The word companion comes from two Latin words. One is cum, which means together. And the other is panis, which means bread. Eating together is a powerfully bonding experience. And as I said, that's why, why, one of the reasons why Jesus did it so much, because he wanted to share his life with people. So I would say that both community and mission happen around a meal table when we share hospitality. You hit both those things. We, we get to be community, we get to deepen our relationships with one another, but you also get to reach out. To those who are outside, it's a brilliant strategy for mission, okay? Hospitality is really good. There's <laughs> a little bit of irony to this. You, you see, it's first sun d- Sunday in January. Most people are thinking about, you know, dieting, cutting down of it. And what I'm basically saying is eat more. <laughs> eat more food. Go and share food with one another. Go and have more and more f- meals together. But it's true. It's good. Hospitality is a great thing. Why, is it, why does it make an impact missionally? Well, because it's massively countercultural to do this stuff, okay? And I I just want to comment a little bit and say that British culture, I would argue, isn't great in this area, okay? If you are from another nation or you know people who are from another nation background, you'll probably agree with this. British culture does not have hospitality as a strength. In fact, I'd say that our culture is something that is more decaying in this area, all right? There's there's this phrase that we have, an Englishman's home is his castle. What does that mean? <laughs> Pull up the drawbridge, absolutely, yeah, put sharks in the moat. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you may have seen this, I've certainly seen it, there, there are people there are people who, are, who I've been neighbours with over the years and, you know, the chance of getting an invite across the threshold into their house is very, very small. You might have some nice chat over the over the fence or whatever but there's a, there's a barrier there. People don't want to open up their homes. And I think as well, even deeper and more sinisterly, actually, the way that some people responded to the Brexit vote in June 2016. I'm not making any comment about that, however people voted, but there was something about the response. If you remember, shortly after that vote happened, there was a sudden sort of flare-up of racism and hostility towards all kinds of different foreign people. And I think there's something that's going on in our culture. There's, there's it's almost an unwelcoming spirit that's there, I think, in British culture. Something that's like the opposite of godly hospitality that's at work. And I think, what's the antidote to that? Godly hospitality. As we reach out, as we, as we open our homes, as we welcome people in, it does something powerful. It breaks something that's there in the culture and it gives opportunities for people, as I said, to be invited into an experience of the grace of God. So, in summary, we receive the hospitality of the king, and we get to live it out, to show it to each other and to those outside the community. Right, let's get really practical as we finish. How do we apply all this stuff? How do we apply all this stuff? And I I hope that I just will address everyone's concerns, but please let, let this be a conversation. If you want to talk to me about this anymore, uh, then I want to be open to that. Please come and come and talk to me about it if you want to afterwards. So the first thing I want to talk about, it's a very practical thing, and that's um, Sunday meals. Okay, so you'll know as a church uh, over the last kind of year or longer, we've had every single week we've had an open house. Someone has opened their house for lunch, and people bring their own lunch and they come round, and it's an open invitation. And uh, many of you come come to that every week. Um, Now, surprising as it might sound, we are not going to be doing that this term. What? What about hospitality? Let me explain. Okay, what we're going to be doing this term is once a month we're going to have a bring and share lunch here at the the church, here at at, at the site. So straight away afterwards, we can have bring and share lunch, um, tea and coffee, refreshments. And it's an opportunity for us all here together to to be together. Because I know some people can't make those Sunday lunches. Some people are never able to make them. Some people have different commitments. And so we wanted to give an opportunity that's inclusive right here in this space. I know it's not quite the same as, 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 as being in someone's home, but it is still a space where we can practice hospitality with one another. Um, so we're going to do that once a month. Now, with the other weeks, there's three other Sundays in the month, r- roughly, I just wanted to give a bit of space, really, so that we could practice hospitality with one another. Because okay? one of the things about every week, us saying, you know, here's the lunch, come to the lunch, is that I guess you don't have the opportunity then, perhaps, to just go, well, I just fancy having Sunday lunch with someone. I just want to invite some people around. I just want to get together spontaneously with different people. So I just want to give a bit of space for that to be able to happen. Okay, So that's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to have once a month meals here at, 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 at uh, Lordswood. And then the second point on my list is, comes off the back of that, and that is invite. <laughs> Get inviting. Let's invite each other around for lunch. Let's have lunch together at our homes. Let's, let's include one another. And also others in the church and, and, and outside the church as well. You can be quite strategic with invites sometimes in terms of people that you want to invite around. So um, let's get inviting. Let's get practicing this thing called hospitality. Now, if you were one of those people that thought earlier on, I'm not equipped, you know, I don't have a big house, so I don't have a lot of space to, um, to welcome me around or I live in a house share or something like that, here's a few pra- practical things, ways that you can practice hospitality because it's not all about making a meal for people in your home. Team it with other people. Okay, get together with others and practice hospitality together. If you um, don't own your own home and you know someone in the church maybe who's just had their kitchen done, why don't you say to them, can I come and borrow your house to make a meal for some friends? Honestly, go for it. Be bold. <laughs> and if, if, if you're the person who's just had the kitchen done, then I'll leave it up to you as to how you respond. But... <laughs> But I think genuinely, let's help each other in this stuff. Let's support each other in how we can team together to to be hospitable. Be creative as well. What about inviting people out for coffee um, or just round your house for coffee? Uh, Remember, it's about the the willingness to welcome. That's the key thing, the willingness to welcome. Or arranging outings, arranging parties, trips to cinema, low-cost outings. There's different ways you can do it. Even I'm inviting someone for a drink in the pub, that's, it, there's something of hospitality in that, particularly if you're buying. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing: practice receiving hospitality. This might sound like a strange one, but um, as I said earlier, I think I learned so much from that Sunday lunch with John and Molly Oldfield about hospitality than, than perhaps I, I have you know as well in practicing it, just because when you, when you receive it from people who are really good at it, you, you learn tips, you learn things so practice receiving hospitality i've learned a lot from our neighbors we have neighbors who are east asian and uh i realized early on i'm never going to be able to outdo these guys with hospitality they are just so good they come around with food at all times of the day and just you know it's brilliant so i've learned a lot actually from them about hospitality i just want to say something about it because i know there, there may be some of you who feel my home isn't really available I'm not really able to use my home in the way that you're saying Owen and I just want I think it's important for us to honor and support each other and so I know there are some with caring responsibilities who I would say you are already practicing hospitality and I just want to affirm you and honor you for that okay so I know there are some who care for elderly relatives okay I would say you are you are showing hospitality you are showing hospitality you are showing regularly an experience of God's grace. There are also those of us who have adopted children. Now, that is the ultimate display of hospitality. Okay, Because any adoptive parent will know adopting a child is not about having the family that you want. It's about being the parent that that child needs. And the ultimate display of inviting someone into your home who doesn't belong there who, ha- who shouldn't ordinarily be there. And, you know, we have people who, who are doing this and who have done it, and I just want to, to honour and affirm the people doing that and, and say to us as a body, let's own this. Let's support these guys. This is, this is big. This is, these guys are hospitality heroes. They might not be able to invite you around for dinner, but boy, are they doing it. Okay? Let's, let's honour and support one another and, and, and affirm and, and treasure the people that are, are practicing hospitality in the ways that they can. What about here on Sundays? We can also all uh, do some stuff around this. Even just something as simple as greeting people and welcoming people at church, particularly if new people are coming in. Let's be welcoming. Now, we have a, we have a host team. We have a welcome team where Steve, Steve leads it. If you want to join the welcome team, the host team, please speak to Steve. We need more people. Um, that would be a great way that you could show hospitality, okay? There's a rotor-based sort of thing. But for all of us, we can, we can be hospitable in how we welcome. And we'll try and do something about the heating, okay? <laughs> other, other types of serving. Um, I was absolutely blown away before Christmas. We did a meal, a CAP Christmas meal, and a load of you guys, I know were are involved in this, came and, and made the most amazing meal for our CAP clients and practiced hospitality in the most incredible way. Uh, and uh, it was very, very effective. It was a great demonstration of it. Um, Also things like Time for Tea, um, Hope English Club that happens on Friday mornings. If you're able to get involved in things like that, great opportunities as well uh, to practice hospitality. So particularly if you feel I'm not able to do it in my home, how am I going to get opportunities? Get involved in those things. They're great ways of practicing hospitality. So together, let's go on demonstrating who we are. The united, caring, growing family inviting others into an experience of his grace in the most practical ways. And let's do it cheerfully and without grumbling. eh? (laughs) Let's pray.